Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of McMinnville podcast. Founded in 2007, UUFM is a gathering place for people who embrace a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We are located in the heart of Oregon's Willamette Valley wine country. Please visit us on the web at macuuf.org, M-A-C-U-U-F dot org. And if you are ever in or near the McMinnville area, don't hesitate to stop by and visit us. UUFM gathers in love and service for justice and peace. Welcome everyone to the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of McMinnville. We're a welcoming congregation. We're committed to the full inclusion of any and all people who wish to join us as we strive together for the freedom of all beings. My name is Jay Nelson. I am today's celebrant. Our minister is the Reverend Margot Reinhardt. Bryn Moyer is our musician. And Ted DeChatelet is administering the service for us today over Zoom. Good morning. I'm the Reverend Margot Reinhardt. I have two readings. One is from a titan in universe, Unitarian Universalism, Conrad Wright. And the other are from, is from the Gospels. They're both about covenant. Conrad Wright says, Unitarian Universalism is a covenantal faith created and sustained by relationships. We come together not around religious dogma or creed, but unite to walk together toward a vision of the beloved community as named in our statement of principles and purposes, as well as the vision that our congregation has named. How we walk together, holding and honoring our congregational's diversity is a challenge and the value of covenant. This morning's story of covenant illustrated is from the gospel of John and Luke. They have to be pieced together to give you a full story. From John, Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside the gate a woman said to Peter, are you not also one of the man's disciples? And Peter said, no, no, I am not. Now Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, you, are you also one of the disciples, aren't you? I am not, I am not, I do not know him. One of the slaves of the high priest asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock crowed. So from John was right before the crucifixion and from Luke is after. Before the apostles recognized the risen Jesus, they came near a village to which they were going, and a man was walking ahead as if he were going on. 
But they urged him strongly, stay, it's almost evening. The day is nearly over. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Later, Peter, Jesus goes on to say to Peter three times, do you love me? One time for each denial of their relationship in the time of Passover and the crucifixion. So I believe this is the first time that I have taken scripture directly from the Bible and said, I'm going to preach on that story. So I just want, before the humanists go running from the building, I just want you to know <laughs> that I attended a Jesuit university and I am not a Christian. But when I was there, I had to find how to make these stories and these experiences relevant to my life and other people's lives in the present time. And there was so much to be learned. And I also think as you use one of our values and it's in our covenant is honoring a diversity of beliefs. So every now and then we should definitely drop in on Christianity. And Christianity is our heritage as Unitarian Universalists. I also want to say that we know that people get deeply harmed when Christianity goes astray. I understand that approaching a Christian text is much more complicated and it's a painful experience for some people. People who've been labeled as unacceptable or abominations. We had just come through Transgender Visibility Day last Wednesday, March 31st. I'm especially aware of what religion gone astray has done to the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community. So we hold all those things this morning in our experience. I wanna first talk about what covenant is. Then we're gonna take a short walk through UUFM's covenant that Jay read earlier. And lastly, we're going to go back to the story of Jesus and Peter, which is almost like a guided meditation. The story for them is a broken covenant, forgiveness and reparation. And for Peter, self-forgiveness, a promise made, broken, and repaired. So we see covenant as relational. Covenants are precious, but they are also exceedingly demanding because despite our best intentions, at times we will break those promises that we have made to one another because our covenant would not be useful if it did not call us to our best behavior. I wanna let you know right now, and you might end up talking about this after in the coffee chats, UUFM right now has a group, a little ad hoc committee, starting with three people who are taking a look at our mission statement, our vision statement, and our covenant. Our recommitment, perhaps more active language, but looking at where it started and where it might need to go. 
It's also related to the simplified service we're having next week to discuss the Unitarian Universalist Eighth Principle, another kind of covenant. To go back in history, Unitarian Universalists are part of the free church tradition that emerged in the 16th century in Europe as part of a reforming movement that resisted corrupt hierarchical power of the church and the economic alliance between feudal aristocracy and the church. From that thinking, Unitarians eventually grew into covenantal relationship. Frederick Muir tells us covenant is a statement of agreement about how congregants choose to be in relationship with one another. It's made up of promises, not rules. Unlike rules, promises are discussed, lived, broken, and renewed. Promises and commitments describe how we wish to live together as a faith community, knowing that if the promises don't work, the congregation might choose to rewrite them. Mary explains a covenant is a framework of expectations that we hold ourselves to. Given that we come together to create beloved community, it is really important that our expectations for one another and ourselves are clear. It also offers the opportunity to deepen our spirituality because we're doing this in community. And so we are able to be deliberate and intentional and disciplined in the way we approach this. And when someone breaks the covenant, we want to support and uphold them. We do not want to punish and chastise and brutalize. We want to call them back in love. When Jay read the covenant this morning, I remember reading your covenant for the very first time when I was deciding whether I was going to toss my hat, my, my name into the hat for you to consider. And one of the things I was extremely touched by was your covenant. It was your voice. It was written in your precious hands. And it was a beautiful collection of your thoughts your pledges to one another, and your desires. I want to go through these again, and I'm going to use an active voice. The first one at UUFM, we are listening to every voice for good intent and the possibility that each one of us has to offer. I just asked you to extend that to me. I said, stay with me in this Christian story, even if you're not a Christian, and even if the Bible has caused harm to you, stay with me. Our second is honoring the diversity of our beliefs and all the ways we are different. It is a long-standing history in the Unitarian and Universalist Church to make room for tolerance of beliefs. Over 200 years ago, Unitarian minister William Ellery Channing was separating from other religious groups. He was arguing strongly and being ostracized, arguing that rigid creedal statements of beliefs aren't a proper basis for religious fellowship. Theological diversity is a positive and creative thing. 
and that it is a duty for each one of us to find our own spiritual truths and that we do that best in community. But we will respect those with whom we disagree. Third, we are sharing our gifts and strengths. In this time of the annual pledge drive, perhaps we first focus on our financial gifts as they are crucial for the continuation of not only our programming, but the fellowship itself. We cannot thrive or survive without essential financial gifts. But there are other gifts. There are gifts of time, there are gifts of inspiration, there are gifts of just presence. It is not possible, and I want you to really hear this in your heart and in your gut, it is not possible that you have no gift to bring. It's a matter of finding it and taking the risk of making the offering. The fourth sentence in our covenant is engaging with each other in a joyful spirit of respect, equality, trust, and cooperation. I am gonna zero right in on joyful spirit. Laughter and humor about our joys and our common human frailties are expected here. You don't have to hide all the imperfect pieces of yourself because we all have them. And our last line, the one Jay talked about bringing to his covenant making time this past week, accepting responsibility for our words and actions and when we fall short, to begin again in love and trust. It doesn't say if we fall short, but when we fall short, it's a given. So in this community and in this shared ministry, we make those mistakes, we fall short, and we allow ourselves to begin again. And we don't have to be punitive, we don't have to beat ourselves up, we don't have to be critical of other people, we just call them back and we call ourselves back. If our words have been harsh, if we've been judgmental, we just call one another back. So as it's Easter morning for millions of people around the world, I wanna show you one of the ways in which covenant works in this Easter story. It's a beautiful story of Peter and Jesus reconciling. The Easter story tells us that Jesus awakes in the tomb or he rises, but I'm gonna use awakes. We don't know what's involved in that. But I like to think of the small streaks of light that splay in from around the stones. It's the desert, the light is bright. Jesus is ultimately headed toward reunion with a heavenly parent figure, the God of the Israelites. However, there's so much work still to be done. He can't go there yet. The work of Jesus in the time he lived is justice for the poor, compassion for the prisoner, food for the hungry, and emotional and spiritual freedom from an occupying Roman empire and corruption in the church. 
Jesus is also aware that morning that three days prior, the Apostle Peter, and for those of you who know this phrase, the rock upon which will be built the church, three times denied even being part of this mission, denied knowing him. In the gospel stories, Peter fiercely loves Jesus, but was terrified that he would be arrested, tortured, and put to death. And who wouldn't be? So he denies his love and his friendship with Jesus, and he hides away. And I can only imagine the pain and self-loathing that went along with that. As we follow this story of how Jesus reunites with the disciples, first he travels the roads alone. Is he thinking about what he's gonna to say to Peter? Is he thinking about this reparation? He is holding so much hope in his heart that communication will be possible. Relationship will be possible. But you know, it's more than reparation in these Bible stories, and it's more than reparation in the early Christian church. The message has to embolden Peter to speak the gospel, the good news, during a time of church corruption and Roman occupation, when it's incredibly dangerous to do so. Peter will be persecuted and imprisoned multiple times and eventually crucified. The commitment to becoming the rock upon which the Christian church is built is an extreme one. So saving the world depends on Peter's ability to fulfill this mission. What can Jesus tell his grief-stricken friend? His friend who is racked and immobilized by guilt. So in the story, Jesus encounters his disciples and at first they don't know who he is. In the Gospel of Luke, it says, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. But that didn't happen until they were close together, until they were sharing this fundamental um, Jewish hospitality of when you see a stranger traveling on the road, it's, it, it can be dangerous for them to be out alone after dark. So you invite them to stay with you and to dine with you. So they say, come in, it's almost nightfall. And it's when they are in this relationship that they can truly see who he is. So Jesus has done his walking and his thinking. He knows how to approach Peter. No shaming, no lecture, no asking him to explain, no, how could you do this to me? Jesus asked Peter four simple words, and he asks them three times. Do you love me? Three times, once for each denial. And each time Peter answers, yes, I love you. During those answers, Jesus tells Peter, care for the sheep, feed the sheep, love the sheep. 
Now, I know the sheep metaphor, uh, little barnyard here, the sheep metaphor could be smelly and even offensive. I don't think any of us like to think of ourselves as sheep blindly walking around, but let's just get past it for a minute. In ancient Israel, having herds of any type could mean the difference between feeding one's family or starving. It also allowed trade for essential goods. Herds meant less hardship in life and the ability to feed the children and care for the elderly. It meant the ability to not have to ship to sell a family member into slavery. So Jesus is saying, take exquisite care of one another. And to Peter, he is saying, there are difficult, difficult times coming for you. And the ability to lead is within you. You can't change your past, but you can shape the future. So I could end the sermon right there. And let me just tell you, I'm always tempted because I'm someone who loves to leave the story with so many possibilities. So whether you see this story as truth or metaphor, this story is all that you need to live a life based on promise, imperfection, commitment, and reparation. First, the tomb and the long walk invite us into discernment. What are we pondering? Let those questions just shine in. Then we walk down the road asking ourselves, what values do we hold? Where is our compassion today? Will our eyes be opened to what and who must be considered? Are we relational? Are we holding out concern for all people or are we just thinking about ourselves? And finally, how do we act in a way that encourages others to carry on the good work? And when we are having conflict with someone, how do we call ourselves in, away from judgment and in to love? So go forth today out into the light See what you are walking toward. See what awaits you in the morning sun. Blessed be.